Good evening everyone and welcome to the live broadcast. It's a Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel and tonight I'm here with somebody really special. It's 6.30pm UK time as always on a Wednesday and I'm delighted to to talk to you tonight about mental resilience for runners. Um, we've got mental health champion and multiple world record holder dressed dressed as pieces of fruit and also a nut. It's Sally Orange, yeah! Woo! Hi! <laughs> so how are you doing, Sally? What have you been up to today? Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me on, first of all. Um, yeah, busy day. I'm actually I'm a bit red. I've been uh, sea swimming and um, kayaking today. So um, yeah, a bit windburned, I think. <laughs> and you are dressed as one of your pieces of fruit. Do you want to give us a twirl? I am a slice of lemon. Woohoo! <laughs> Always like to wear a fruity little number. Yeah, it's awesome. And so, uh, let me just move these things around on the screen. So, um, we've got lots of people watching tonight, so I'll just give you a little, just a little sample to so that you can feel like the others in the room. So, um, Paul Hamilton um, says he's really pleased to be here tonight. Um, Seb says hi, everyone. And Philip Haddock says looking forward to this one. Alex DeHoto is here too. Um, Mr. Whippet is here too. He says hi. He actually made a live chat. And John Gardner is here as well. Paul Hamilton says hi, Sally. Great to have you. And Paul has a couple of questions um, for you later on, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so that's just a little flavour of who's watching. A flavour, I like it. See what you did there. <laughs> I did that by accident, actually. <laughs> totally Don't by accident. <laughs> Very much not clever enough for that. Um, but I just want to big you up a little bit, Sally, before we get into the questions, if that's all right. Because um, I don't know if people know um, know like how much they know about you. Um, so I'm just going to put a few pictures up on the screen. Um, so 2007, your first marathon ever, and you decided to do it dressed as a superhero. Um, so I've got a little picture here of you dressed as a superhero and you raised £4,500 for Outward Bound UK doing that and you're the fastest woman dressed as a superhero. Yeah, it was. It was and for years. I I remember watching the very first London Marathon and thinking I'd always wanted to, you know, I'm going to do that one day. And it just took years and years and years. I was so scared. I just thought I won't be able to make the distance and I won't be able to raise the amount of money for charity. And so it took until I was actually 34 before I did my first marathon. Um, and yeah, to help with the fundraising, I decided to do it uh, dressed as a superhero and applied to Guinness World Records and got the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon dressed as a superhero, as you say. Wow. And basically, it was sort of crossing that finish line that I felt I felt like a superhero. For the first time in my life, I really felt like a superhero. So, um, yeah, that's where it all started. That's amazing. And, and the fact that you just did your first marathon and you, did it, you just decided, oh, I'll just go for a Guinness World Record as well, just to throw that in there. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. And, yeah. then, and then fast forward to 2009, um, you did an, another marathon, um, this time inspired by your name. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that one? Yeah, as I say, I, I crossed the finish line and thought, 
first of all, I thought never again. Um, and then that shortly, shortly went off and I decided yeah, I definitely want to do that again. Um, and I knew that raising the money was going to be hard again. And I'd already asked quite a lot of people to help me with the fundraising. So I felt that I needed to do something different again. Um, and that's where my surname sort of came into play. And I thought, I know, I'll run as an orange. Um, and thought, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon dressed as a piece of fruit. So that's where that all came from. Yeah, <laughs> it started off a really big thing for you, didn't it? And it's gone really, really well. And I'm just looking at the costume here. I've just put a picture up. And if anyone's listening to this on the podcast um, later, um, I can see that the orange is very fluffy. Um, so it looks really, really warm. Um, we do have a patron question about this um, from Arlene Maitlock, who says, um, does Sally, um, how does she stay cool in all these? costumes do do you wear a hydration pack underneath or anything like that that one actually was really hot. It had a hula hoop round um, round it as well to keep try and keep the shape um, and another one that I've done was a pink lady apple which was a you know really big you might have seen them in the in the London marathon um, but it's just like you know any any marathon just taking lots of frequent small sips I make it a ritual that every stop I go past I always take something and just have a few few little sips of it um, and and yeah just you know if I feel that it's I, I do sweat a lot um, but if I feel that it's it's too much then I'll just slow down a little bit because uh, I never although they were for, for Guinness World Records I never really with my marathons go for time there's only three marathons that I've ever run that I can tell you the time Time, um, and all the rest of the time I just say that I go for the time of my life yeah that is that's a really good um, that's a really good way of thinking about it isn't it yeah but you still end up as the fastest woman which is pretty impressive well, <laughs> yeah there's not that many fruits there's a few bananas there have been quite a few bananas that I've seen and uh, yeah different different fruits that people are doing so uh, yeah it's good it's good fun that's why I like doing it yeah yeah it definitely looks good fun um, and and then uh, the third world record that you've got am I right in thinking is um, as dressed as a nut um, so you've you've done this and, and this was that when you started is this when you started to sort of get the mental health message out there along with the costumes or did you already were you already doing that because this seems like the the is this the pivotal moment yeah, no, I, I was already doing, what, what I was finding was that uh, being dressed as different pieces of fruit, people, I, I stood out a bit and people were always always asking me why. And, and I started by saying, I, I want to raise awareness of mental health. So you might ask, well, how does that raise awareness of mental health dressing as fruit? Well, it's already started that conversation by being asked why. And I just say, um, you know, by saying, talking about mental health, people often will say that maybe they've had a problem or they know somebody who's had a problem and it very subtly starts that conversation it's not a great big thing that's plastered over me and actually if people are uncomfortable with talking about it they can go back to the fruit costume so it's it's a you know as I say it's just a different way um, that if people want to they can they can open up and I'd run I'd sort of was coming up to 50 marathons um, and I, I thought so many people had always used to say to me, you're completely nuts, mm -hmm. you're absolutely nuts. And I thought, do you know what, I'm going to run as a nut. And, and I know some people said that, you know, it's making a bit of a play on the mental health thing. I thought, 
do you know what, embrace it. So I, I ran as a peanut and I had a sign on me saying, um, nuts about mental health, together we can crack it. Because I do believe that we need to get the message out there. And so probably my proudest moment is being able to get the mental health message into the Guinness Book of Records. So although it is fun, there is a serious message be behind it um, if people want to ask more about it. Yeah, very much, very much so. Um, you've actually answered somebody's question there because they wanted to know what your proudest moment was. Um, uh -huh. But maybe there's more proud moments that I can ask you about later. Um, but but that is that's absolutely fantastic, and I, I do want to talk to you more about m mental health. I know you've run you've run loads of things. Like it's it's incredible to think that you've ever had any mental health problems. You've run the race across America with an all woman team. Um, you've done the arc to arch to arc triathlon, which involves swimming the channel. In Incredible, and you've done MDS as well, and you've just done your 50th marathon, the Yukon Arctic Marathon. That was just in January before everything was stopped, and it's just incredible what you've managed to achieve. Um, so, could you tell us a little bit about your background, like your story um, about the severe depression and anxiety that is that is mentioned on your website? Yeah, well, thank you very much for. Um, I yeah, I don't never really. Th I think I'm just an ordinary, ordinary person. I know that not everybody dresses as as pieces of fruit, but um, I, I, you know, I just found quite a unique way of of having a different twist on with my running, really. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, um, so I, I've spent 22 years in the in the military, um, in the in the army, in the Royal Army Medical Corps, and uh, after probably it's probably about 14 15 years ago i started to suffer with with quite severe depression um and in those days it really wasn't really much, you know not wanted to speak about it there was very much a stigma associated with it and i didn't want to talk about it and that probably that probably was only about four years ago um that i actually I applied to, to um, take part in the Invictus Games and was selected to, to represent the United Kingdom um, for, for that. Um, but I knew by doing that that I was going to have to be a bit more open. But I still, at that point, I still kept it very quiet and I, I just said that I'd had a few problems, you know, some, kept it very personal, private, I'd had some difficulties. Um, but then it was actually a year ago, I decided on social media, on, on my Facebook page, to, to explain to people, I feel I've got to be real here. You know, you'll always see me smiling, but I struggle with life. I have some really big challenges and some really big difficulties. And it, it was a really difficult thing to do. Um, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be like, but the reaction was really quite overwhelming. Uh, the amount of people who contacted me um, privately and said that they'd also had problems that, um, you know, whether that be now, previously, um, or you know when they were younger, and yeah, it really made me realise, wow, this this has had such such of a bigger impact. As I say, I think I had fifty separate um, in individual messages that so much so that I couldn't actually reply to every single one of them. I had to group them all together and say thank you very much for your uh, you know for contacting me and sharing your stories with me. Um, and yeah, you, you know it was felt a, a very it, it was a difficult thing to, thing to do, but now I. I'm much more open about it now because I feel that if people think that I can't, uh, you know, there's no way that I can suffer. And and there are still people who 
um, unfortunately, because I don't have any physical problems, thinks that there's nothing nothing wrong with me. So there, I do feel that there is still a lot of work to be done um, to be able to break down the, the stigma and, and to educate people, really, because there's a real spectrum of, of mental health problems. And I'd like to get it to a point where we talk about mental health the same as we do as if we have a common cold. You know, we all have colds. We have colds two or three times a year sometimes. Sometimes we might have to take a day or two off. Um, for some people, unfortunately, it does get worse and they might develop the flu. They may develop pneumonia. And so, you know, it can get um in a very, very serious for, for some people. But and, and often when you've had um when you've had a cold or somebody you know has had a cold, you just think, oh gosh, and then you get that cold and you think, I wish I'd had a bit more empathy. I wish I'd been a bit more understanding. Um, and I liken that really to, to mental health because I think all oh, a couple of times a year, we probably have different stresses that if we just give ourselves permission to say, actually, we are human beings, we are normal people, um, then it would be helpful to ourselves and probably to others as well that we, we see on social media, we think that everybody else is life is so much better than ours and um, and we yeah we compare ourselves to, to other people so so yeah that's where I would like to see it go in in the future um, yeah it's and you said like with those 50 people emailing you everybody as well a lot of people more than you think would have had problems like this um do you do you think of the the they're kind of common to all people or, or was it particularly in the military that you were finding um these problems what like was there some kind of common challenges in particular faced by military personnel no and you know i think i think and problems I have fallen into is when I have said that I've got a, a mental health illness um, and people know that I've been in the military, they automatically assume that it's post-traumatic stress disorder, so PTSD. Now, my diagnosis is not post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and although my symptoms of depression and anxiety can be symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, that isn't my, my diagnosis. But there are so many other people in the civilian world, um, a lot of the emergency services who, who do um, suffer with PTSD or, you know, anti-natal anti depression, postnatal depression, um, male, male suicide is one of the highest rates. Um, I think particularly maybe male suicide within the, the military is again something that is perceived to be um, a big common problem. But there is a whole load of, you know, of population who, as I say, the stresses and strains that we have of everyday daily living. That's not to say that some people in the military don't, you know, don't suffer. They have seen some some horrific things. But we all deal with things differently. And we, we quite often deal with things differently at certain periods of time. So we might be fine with that one thing um, one year and the same thing could happen a couple of years down the line and it might just be that straw that breaks the camel camel's back um, so it, it, it the difficulty is uh, I suppose the one thing I would say with mental health is it doesn't discriminate it, it doesn't matter you know who you are where you come from um, anybody is susceptible to it unfortunately so it's being able to look after ourselves and look out for ourselves and each other yeah and to know yourself well so that you can see yourself sort of slipping down that slope before it's too late um, and get help and get the right um, help that you personally need as well and and so for a lot of people and I know a lot of people listening to this channel um, they run for their mental health as well they run to help their mental health was was that how you found running and how you got into running 
Yeah, yeah I, as I say, initially it was something that I'd always wanted to, uh, you know, I'd always aspired to, but it was part of my, my depression and part of not feeling good enough that made me think that I would never be able to, to do a marathon. And I think that's a big, big part of, uh, you know, it's, it's called imposter syndrome, but, but it's a negative, basically negative spiral of when you don't, it, it's a very, if you don't feel good about yourself, um, you then think you're not able to uh, to achieve things, so that can be that can all become quite quite difficult as well. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it is it's just a very sorry. Go go back to what you said from the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, so I just wondered if you started running to help oh, with the mental right. health, um, or yeah. were you already a runner? Yeah. No, I, I what I found was it. I found it gave me a, a sense of purpose really. Um, Especially with the with the raising awareness of, of mental health, it I mean physical activity is known to increase the endorphins, um, and and I can honestly say there are many many a time when I've regretted having not gone for a run, but there's never ever been a time where I've gone for a run and I've regretted it. But the hardest time or the hardest thing most of the time is getting out of that front door. Now for me, some days. Actually, getting out of bed is is a really hard thing, and my goals in some days is is literally get up, get a shower, and even that, getting a shower. It might be it doesn't matter if you can't wash your hair in the shower, as long as you can get a shower, that is at least. And that might sound strange that it, you know, I can run marathons like that. I can go and do one tomorrow. It wouldn't be quick. Um, but sometimes just, just getting up and getting a shower and getting two or three meals in, in the day can be can be one of the biggest challenges. So um, yes, it does it does certainly help, but there are times when it's recognizing that perhaps the goals that you set yourself have to be modified slightly. So if you're following a training program, the training program might say you need to do five miles or, or you should do five miles today. It, in, it rather than saying I'm not going to go at all, if you can just do three on those days, you're still working towards that goal and you're not going to beat yourself up as much as if you don't do it at all. But even if you don't do it at all, your body is probably telling you something um, that why you why you don't want to continue to do that. Now, I probably should have mentioned my background, although I was in the Royal Army Medical Corps, is actually as a physiotherapist. So I kind of like it. I know a lot about physical physical health um, and rehabilitation and how to look after ourselves physically. And I think that there's a real big crossover into to mentally. So, you know, we have physical fitness. We go to the gym. We keep ourselves fit. We keep ourselves ticking over. And so I think it should be exactly the same with our, our mental fitness as well. Um, so that there is a real similarity and it's really just doing physiotherapy for the brain is is what mental fitness is yeah. so it's yeah it's definitely definitely I think that's a really great parallel to draw here especially for runners um, we know all about physical fitness we all, we all know about training ourselves for races and training ourselves for marathons and things like that but training ourselves to be mentally resilient is really important as well and um, and yeah so the topic of this broadcast is mental resilience for runners um, so do you what even is mental resilience like what what do you think it is um, how do you define it for you personally to be mentally resilient 
So I think I think resilience really is how you how you bounce back from from a situation, um, and it, it's really it can be developed. It can be developed over time. Um, and it's making sure that we learn from difficult things and obstacles that we may face in time. So it may well, it may well shatter you. A, a, a situation um, may shatter you at times, but you will get round it and you'll learn from that. Now, if it was to happen again, it would be hoped that you could learn from from last time. And so, unfortunately, experiencing difficulties, although it can seem really negative, it can also be seen as a positive that you are developing that that mental resilience um, and your your ability to bounce back. And again, if you liken it to a physical um, physical injury, which you know a lot of runners get, sort of knee problems, Achilles problems, there are still other things that you can do to help with your training for your marathon or your your race or whatever it is. You may um, go swimming or you, you may go cycling, so you may do something slightly different on the days that you can't run. And that's exactly the same with your, your mental health. There's so many almost different tools in the toolbox that you can, can pull on. Um, and it may be a just on that day, running isn't the thing for you. It might be, you know, just doing something nice and being compassionate to yourself. So, yeah, there are there are lots of different ways in which you can can build and and develop your own own personal resilience. Yeah, like um, like chatting to a friend or um, reading a book, maybe. Like I find that if I've got um, like a complete lack of mojo, like complete lack of motivation, I try to listen to a podcast about something that's not related to running at all because it's my job. So I'll like listen to the infinite monkey cage or something that I find really interesting like about outer space or something something to just like pique your interest and you just go oh I'm curious about the world again like that's one of the one of the little tricks that I have up my sleeve yeah absolutely and I think sometimes when when I've been in the deepest of depressions sometimes it's actually very difficult to even remember what those things are that make you feel good um, so even just having a list of, of things or another thing that I've done previously is have a, have a box, um, a box of things in there that it might be a photograph that reminds you of a happy time. It might be a smell that you really like and reminds you of a happy time. It might be um you know, a book or just a thing of your your favourite things that within there will help you feel positive. And it might be a day when you go I need to get the box out today. I need to just have a bit of ray of sunshine and you open up the box and that ray of sunshine comes out. And it won't always lift you right back to where you were previously, but I think if it does, it can just spark that. It might it might be a video, it might be a, um, yes, so many different things that you choose what you put in that box. So it's personal to you. It wouldn't be the same as anybody else's box, but it's just that reminder when things are just that little bit, you know you're not quite sparking that on uh, all you're not firing on all cylinders really yeah and I think there's a, a big um sort of a kind of a pressure in our society to to feel happy all the time like you scroll through Instagram it's like smile after smile after smile and of course we all smile in photos <laughs> like everyone smiles in photos that's what you're told to do and no one takes a photo of themselves being really bored like having a cry like the weather's rubbish and you know you just feel rubbish about life so no one puts that up so it's really easy to think I have got to be happy all the time and to like you know maybe look in your look in your box or look at your list and be like fighting to 
be happy but actually do you do you think there's some value in just embracing the fact that you just feel rubbish and you just have a day off <laughs> absolutely um and i i think you know through quite a lot of the diff i've had lots of different therapies o over the years um, and there's a great book called the happiness trap ah. and it's exactly as you as you explained there um that we are human beings we we need to have the the, the unhappy times to be able to appreciate the, the happy times and if anybody's ever watched um, the film Inside Out a brilliant oh, I love that film yeah brilliant children's film but it talks about different emotions of, of fear of happiness of joy um, and it, it makes you realize that actually if you don't have those other emotions um, you wouldn't function either so you can't always you need to have fear sometimes to be your own safety um, so I think when you look at it that way it does make it a bit more understandable that that yeah and actually it would be really annoying if everybody <laughs> all of the time was over the moon happy Cause yeah we, we've always had people sometimes when you just think oh my goodness they're just <laughs> over the top happy yeah and it does seem real it, it it doesn't seem real and it's because it's not real because there is nobody on this planet who is happy every single minute of every single day and if you look at it like that again it's taking away that that comparison and going yeah I'm just normal I'm actually just normal so yeah. whatever yeah. normal is <laughs> yeah so like welcome all emotions all emotions <laughs> and sometimes it is it is recognizing and sort of saying to that emotion Hello, sadness. You're back again. Um, I don't really want you here today, but I accept that you're here today. I'm going to try and just move you to the side while I let a bit of um, another emotion in. Um, but I recognise that you're you're still here, and I think sometimes even just recognising what that emotion is can be helpful as well. Maybe why am I feeling that? What what's it making me that's feeling? What's it making me that? What is it that is making me feel that way? Um, and addressing that. Um, because we, we, we've got very complex brains and I, I call mine a bit of a tricky tricky brain because it can be yeah it can play some really nasty tricks on me um, but it's working to manage those, those tricks I'm not going to take them away but I've got to be able to look at how I can um, work around them I must say this is all really resonating with everybody on the live chat so I just want to read you out some things Sally so that you can just see what people are popping up here um, so Gordon Parton he, he just says hope you're all keeping well physically and mentally so he's just taking that on board um, and James Penston says that he thinks that education in schools around mental robustness and mental strength would help a lot oh I'll, I'll, I'll mention something there actually because oh, yeah, I go for it what I have started to do um, is I've now got over 40 different fruit costumes um, and I have started to go into schools um, and talk to young people about the importance of healthy eating, physical activity and mental fitness. Fitness. So the fruit helps with the healthy eating because I believe that they're all a triangle and you can't really have one without, without the other yeah. um, and how much they, they impact it on each other. And also sort of saying to young people or 
um, people of all ages that you don't have to be the fastest or the fittest but if you can have fun go out enjoy yourself move it doesn't have to be a competitive I think so many people are put off from sport the word sport when they're at the school um, because it's so competitive and they think well I wasn't fit at school um, I was I was rubbish at sport at school I was the last to be picked but if we talk about movement as opposed to um, sport and competitive now by all means for some people sport and competitive is is great that's what they want to do and high performance sport is very much based on that so it's not disregarding that but that's only a certain percentage who are ever going to get to that level um, but what I found by having the the fruit there is that the children really engage in it. It's really colourful. That um, gives them a good flavour of lots of different. Uh, I've got uh, lots of uh, fruit jokes in there. <laughs> uh, it appeals to lots of different <laughs> appeals. Exactly. <laughs> but it, you know they don't necessarily understand what 26.2 miles is, but they can see somebody smiling and somebody wearing a piece of fruit. And one of the best things I love about when I do the marathons is I'm running I might be really struggling in, inside, but I see a child going, Mummy, Mummy, there's a lemon or there's an, a <laughs> there's an apple running by. And it can just lift your spirit and, and make them realize it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be you know, fast or fun. And, and because of that, I've now just, I think it will probably be out in the next month, I've put together a book. Oh, fantastic. Um, a um, it's called A Fruitful Life by Sally Orange and it's really talking about those three aspects of physical activity, mental fitness and, and healthy eating um, and it's just fun, fun photos, you know I've been I have a little claim to fame in that I'm the only person in the world that's ran a marathon on every continent dressed as a different piece of fruit. And so I use it as a way in schools to, to talk about geography, so educate about the different, the different continents. Um, to talk about history, because we talk about the history of the marathon, um, talk about emotions um, and, and fear, because I think there's so many people that fear they're gonna come last. And I turn it around and actually say, do you know what, if you come last, you get the biggest cheer when you cross that line because everybody else has gone forward before you. Whereas if you're first, everybody else is still behind you so it's really turning that psychology around that makes people go do you know what actually if we all support that person who comes last and you know you're supported by everybody else then um, you know that can change the way of thinking of, of young people so that's what I'm really trying to do at the moment is to inspire young people to just get out there and move and, and have fun and it doesn't have to be com uh, competitive that's fantastic. I love the book, A Fruitful Life. We shall all buy that book. I'll put a link to it in the film description oh, below. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, everybody get that for your kids or just for you because it sounds like a great book. Um, and just coming on to the costumes thing, I want um, uh, there's a live question about the costumes that you've just been talking about. And I want to say, um, I just want to show a picture of us, you know, when we met. Um, we, um, and, and yes, I yeah. wanted to say that, that you were such good, such a good sport. And put on an apple and ran with me and we ran dressed as dressed as apples we did it was great yeah it was very warm <laughs> i remember <laughs> thinking it's very warm um but, but, 
outfits. Yeah, but John Gardner has a question. He says, does Sally make her own outfits or does she recommend a manufacturer? I think he might be thinking of dressing as uh, an orange. Uh, <laughs> I have a good bunch of people to join me. <laughs> yeah, bunch, so, yeah, very good. Most, yeah, most of them are up on, on eBay. Um, if you put in fruit costume, there are loads and loads of different fruit costumes. They've only ever had one that was made, which I happen to have with me, um, and it is a slice of orange, which my mum did make for me. Um, and that's because we found a pink grapefruit outfit that was a costume that was exactly the same. And I said, that's a really good, it, it, it folds up so I can take it away with me. Um, and just this afternoon, actually, um, I managed to get three really, uh, you know, quite interesting people and people that I did think, well, I'm sure they'll never say yes to, uh, to, doing, to doing this, to put the pieces of fruit on. Um, so they will actually be on my Instagram. Uh, one of them is a BBC presenter who and one of them um, he was in the, the special forces and has as yeah they're kind of like actually I love what you're doing and I'm gonna gonna put a fruit costume on as well to help you raise awareness of what you're doing so yeah so some people very much aren't into it and that's absolutely fine as well some people will think some what boring people <laughs> <laughs> but haven't you got a selfie of you with Prince Harry because he didn't he say that you were a tomato or something Thing. He was like, "Why are you dressed yeah. as a tomato?" <laughs> That's absolutely right. A couple of couple of stories with with Prince Harry, and that uh, one time he he said, oh, "Why? Yeah, it's exactly that. Why are you dressed as a tomato?" And I was like, "I'm a strawberry, not a tomato." <laughs> Silly and, Harry. <laughs> and he asked me what I was going to wear for my next marathon, and um, I said to him that in in Antarctica I was going to get my nice pear out, and he just replied straight away and said rather than your melons I was like, <laughs> out in North America so uh, and, and Prince William when I met him as well he um, he asked me if I've got a bit of a fruit fetish which uh, wasn't what I expected to be asked by the future king of England wow. but, uh, they are. it's a yeah. That's good. I love Prince William and Harry because they're just like, they're, they do, a, is it the heads together thing that they do? They talk a lot about mental health as well. I just think they're brilliant ambassadors for this generation of, Absolutely. of royal people. They're just brilliant. I just think hats off to them because they've suffered so much in their lives. And it's just, at the end of the day, they're human beings. Yeah. That's, you know, they, they've had their own struggles and their own difficulties. Um, and it's just making them, you know, making others realise that they're just normal normal people so um yeah and it was actually the heads together marathon that i um that i was running when he asked me if i was dressed as a tomato ah yeah um well there's uh, there's lots of other people just sharing kind of what they do to help with their mental health on the live chat so i just want to read a few out um to you sally so alex dehoto said um he has kept a personal mental health first aid list for bad days um and he's saying when he couldn't even remember what helped which was what you were talking about because you do you get really down don't you and you you can't remember what you even liked about the world in the first place yeah so that's a really good idea to keep a list like that um and then um uh, Paul Hamilton oh he has a question actually he says um that a lot of runners use um use running as a mental health strategy to kind of manage the mental health um but then when you get injured then what happens so as a physio he asked the question to you what would you recommend yeah, it it is really it is really difficult when um, when you're injured and and so often I've had I've had patients who if you're having to say to them um, you're going to have to rest at this time and, and rest is almost a, a bad word to to a runner because they feel that 
they're not going to, if they've got a goal to achieve um, a certain race or a certain distance or a certain time, that that's going to have an impact so that that can then um, worsen their mental health because their anxiety can, can get worse with things. But it's having to look at it in a slightly different way and thinking that if I take a short amount of time off now um, for that physical injury, it's going to, I'm going to be able to get back a lot, a lot quicker. Um, and like we said before, that when you are injured, that perhaps maybe swimming or perhaps uh, or cycling or a different type of sport or, or activity, that, <coughs> excuse me, there's always different exercises that you can do. Um, you know, I, I, in fact, um, just this afternoon, I was kayaking with a triple amputee. Um, so he has one arm and was still out in the boat um, kayaking around Plymouth. So wow. to me, that is incredible resilience of what he's overcome. You know, he stepped on an IED in Afghanistan, um, you know, over 10 years ago. But if he can still get out in a boat, then it's people like that that motivate me to think, oh, you know, I've got an injury, I've got a bad knee. I've, I've still got legs. You know, this, this guy has no legs um, below the knee. They're, they're above the knee that he, he lost them, but he's found something that he can still do. So no, he can't run anymore. Yesterday I was cycling with another guy who had also um, lost both legs and an arm um, above the elbow. And he was on a hand bike. Um, so again, he was able to do things. And these are people to me that just show that you can still achieve um, and go on and do do so much more and I think we've we only need to think to the Paralympics and how inspiring watching the Paralympics is because you think wow I, you have seen people doing archery with their teeth um, and so for, you know for them it'd be different muscles that they're using but they can still go on and go on and do things so I know it can be frustrating that you can't do what your goal with, goal initially was but it's just adapting that goal for a short amount of time it's it's not always easy I'm not pretending that it you know, it does take a time to accept um, that perhaps you're not going to be able to do or not going to be as good as you were previously um, and you know it's almost like a bereavement to be honest at, at some points but but it's just recognising there are always people who are worse off with, off than you. So um, I think they're just two examples yesterday and today how people have gone above and beyond <coughs> when really they, they probably shouldn't even be alive with the injuries. <laughs> how, yeah. Uh, uh, it is incredible and, and people like that can be really inspiring um, and, and John Gardner on the live chat says Sally should be a therapist. She sounds very understanding and aware. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then, physical Carla, therapist. <laughs> yeah, physical. You are a physical therapist. Yeah. Um, uh, and Carl Southgate great Gate says uh, that he has never dressed as a fruit for running, but he has been a gingerbread man. Um, oh, I like that one. Yeah, and he made it into the Birmingham Mail. <laughs> cool. Oh, <brilliant. laughs> nice one, Carl. That's awesome. And so we've got some uh, some more patron questions here. Um, uh, that I just want to ask you. So, um, Vic Knight says, um, uh, "What elements of your army experience do you call upon um, during your training and during races? Do you have any specific kind of army exercises or an army mindset that comes in handy for racing and training?" I think probably um, I look back to the time it look back to the time when I was in Afghanistan um, and I was working in the in the field hospital and there was some 
as I say, some horrific injuries that, that were coming on, uh, that were coming into the hospital. And these people are never going to be able to run again. Um, and so for me, when things are hurting, I, I do kind of think, I'm still very, very fortunate. I can do this. I can choose to do this. Um, in fact, I am choosing to do this. And it's not going to last forever. The pain isn't going to last for, forever. Um, so I think that as a as the mindset. And also, probably my illness. When I was at my worst with my illness, um, I, when I'm struggling maybe with, with running, that I'll, I'll think... It's never as bad as when I was that um, when I was that ill. So, for example, in the marathon de Saab, when it was you know a double marathon, I was finding it hard. I just thought, Do you know what? It's not half as bad as when you were really poorly. Um, you've got over that, so you can get through this. Um, so, so I think there's probably that the resilience probably that has been built um, is just by seeing other what other people have over overcome and achieved. Um, it's prob- probably helped um, with with that, and also. Within, within the army you're taught sort of core value core values and they're they're things that are sort of almost central to you that you live your life by so um you know sort of being committed to things and determined and and those probably those aspects that that do help with with things moving forward definitely so some things to draw on and it's it's almost like you've got to go through some bad times to sort of for them to help you in the future is like isn't it just got to keep on going (laughs) yeah 100% yeah and then um Paul Hamilton um one of my patrons um he would like um some advice on how to get over the mental barriers of training for a marathon and in particular like the really long lonely long runs um they they can be long they can be um they you know they can be daunting of of thinking I've got to go and do that or I'm not going to be able to do it but it's breaking it down I I always think that with goals it's breaking it down into to short bite-sized chunks so you know even with a marathon I never ever look at the fact that I'm running a marathon I look at the first 10k and once I've got over that I'm just going for another another 10k and I look at distraction techniques as well so so for example in a marathon um I look at different people, I, I chat to people and so I find out different different stories. So things to help with distraction during your training runs are podcasts. I you know, I just think you can learn so much. And if you're if you're focused on something, it's using that distraction, but you're actually um, improving your your own sort of personal development at, at the same time or your own knowledge on something. So you're not focusing on just just that one thing, but um, I think also congratulating yourself and celebrating what you have managed to achieve uh, is is another thing that we're probably not very good at. But um, yeah, it's the biggest thing I would say is probably breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. And definitely put a podcast on. This will be available as a podcast tomorrow <laughs> when I make it. We do it well together, don't we? <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're just queuing them up and I'm batting them in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and another question from Paul. Um, uh, he would like to know, out of all the marathons that you've run, do you have a favourite that kind of, like, really kind of, that you draw on the best for the best memories? Um, and, and why is that your favourite? It's so it's such a difficult question. Um, you know, I've ran marathons in Uganda where actually I went for a week's volunteering, and the 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 marathon was at the end of that. So that was such a 
you know, an in- incredible week and the people that you met. Um, but then I've ran across a frozen lake in Mongolia. Um, I thought I was going to run a marathon. I got there and it turned out it was a hundred miles. Um, I thought, well, you know, what's an extra three mile, three marathons? Wow. It was <laughs> it was minus fifty, but I was dressed as a chili pepper because I kind of thought if I'm going to be freezing cold, I might as well look red hot. <laughs> um, so you know, the, the Mongolian people. That was an incredible experience. Um, Antarctica people. You know, how many people get to go to to Antarctica? And I've ran across the the Gobi Desert in Mongolia as well. So. They're so different, you know, sometimes it's the people that I've met, um, the stories that I've heard along the way. It, it's really difficult to pick out a, to pick out a favourite because there are just so, so many. I say that I still have a very, very strong affection to London. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because it was my very first marathon, the, the crowds are just incredible. Um, New York was a very, very wasn't far behind. I was dressed as a big apple for oh, uh, for New York, um, and they'd never seen they'd never seen a big apple running in the Big <laughs> Apple. So I thought it was quite quite strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so sometimes it's the crowds. Other times it's actually the solitude. So so Antarctica, it was you know it was silent, and so that it's very different different experiences, and and that's how I would look at it is is it an experience. Um, and, and just lap that up really yeah yeah it's like trying to choose between children isn't it you can't choose your favorite yes. child can you exactly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and then uh, finally we've got a question from Arlene which you did answer earlier um if she wanted to know what your proudest moment was in all the events that you've done I know you did touch on this earlier um but yeah do you want to just kind of cover that in a little bit more depth or are there kind of a few proud moments that you've had yeah, I, I think, um, as I say, you know, what I did say earlier was that getting the mental health, um, getting the me- mental health message into into the Guinness Book of Records, and I suppose, and this is just coming straight from the heart now, actually, running has almost allowed me to open up and talk about um, my mental health difficulties because I was seeing how it was affecting so many other people. Um, and I suppose the supportive network of people that I've met um, through it that's then made me think, yeah, I will be, will be open and honest. And that took so many years to be able to be open and honest and tell people my life isn't amazing. That's not right. My life is amazing. I have an incredible life. I am very, very fortunate. But unfortunately, I still struggle with with a lot of things. I suppose I'm just being real and being authentic to to me and not trying to be somebody who who I'm not. Um, so probably one of my proudest moments is is actually um, yeah being being open and honest about the difficulties that that I've had and and I suppose then going on to the doors that that have that has opened which is is quite surprising I, I'll be honest some doors have very much closed some friendships have very much been lost so I can't say it's all plain sailing I said I'm real I'm, I'm you know I'm sort of give, give warts and all um, but there's very much some 
some people that I've met that I wouldn't have met previously if I hadn't have mentioned um, the difficulties that I've had. And, and perhaps they're the better people for me in my life right now that have that understanding. It's not always easy to see it like that, but on a good day, that's you know a good way to look at it really. Um, so yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of different things there with the proud moments, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people would think, oh, proud moment, oh, PB in this race or something like that, whereas your your PB for you is opening up about your mental health difficulties um, and those those amazing doors to those amazing other people that you found, um, which <laughs> is just fantastic. And I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not particularly PB driven. Um, for me, it's not striving to be. It's not striving to be the best in a fitness or in a time perspective. But it's striving to be the best version of myself. Um, and if running gives me that because of the podcast that I listen to to help with personal development, um, there's lots of ways in which you can improve and be your best. It doesn't always have to be with the time. And, and because I suffer with quite um, chronic anxiety as well as depression. For me, I think it would heighten that exam, that anxiety if I'm always trying to go for a certain time because I would feel a failure if I didn't get that to, you know, if I set the standards too high um, and I don't then achieve that. So I've gone, I don't, I don't want to even have play a part in that. Um, I want to enjoy the experience and enjoy the journey um, rather than, you know, just the, the final, um, the final time. Uh, and that's why I always say I'm going for the time of my life and the, the runs and the people that I meet and the places that I go are very much more important to me than what that finished time says. Yeah, I think that really resonates to a lot of us as trail and ultra runners. Like, we're not that interested in what time we did it in. You know, we might be going for sub a certain hour, number of hours or something. But, you know, the minutes and the second hand ticking by doesn't really bother us. Um, and I think we, we all get a medal at the end of it as well. So yeah. A second or third, <laughs> get a medal whether you you know whether you come last. So yeah. um, you've still got some to, to to show that you you know. But often, and I think that's probably why I've never really told many people about the marathons that I run because I'm not actually doing them to. I'm doing I'm doing them for me really. I'm not doing them to say look at me, look what I've done. Um, and that's why I find it quite difficult talking about a lot of the things that I have you know probably achieved um because i don't want it to be look at me look at me it's it it is you know that's what helps me so that that's why i do it yeah not and, yeah and you've got all the fundraising as well it's helped you do a lot of fundraising for outward bound and and help for heroes and and lots of different amazing charities um so yeah we can definitely see it's not about you it's about the conversations that you can have with people mm -hmm. and enjoying yourself along the way in lots of different countries Absolutely. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic well i just want to say a big thank you to you sally for coming on tonight it's been really really eye-opening and it's been really refreshing to have such an honest approach to mental health and and talking about all those little bits of tips and snippets of advice that you have there for um, runners to build their mental resilience um and i just want to read out some l nice comments on the live chat 
um, that uh, people, yeah, people have just really appreciated this chat tonight. And when I put it on the podcast as well uh, by tomorrow, then lots more people will be able to listen to it whilst they run as well. Ah, brilliant. Um, so, Thank you. That's kind. Yeah, so I'll just read a couple out. Um, uh, Paul Hamilton says, um, Sally, you are a great inspiration. I will remember your perspective and positive attitudes during the last six miles of the next marathon that I run. Good on you, definitely. Um, and Arlene M says, thank you, Sally. Inspiring. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks so much for the chat tonight. It's been awesome to, to speak to you and awesome to see you again after running with Absolutely. you as an apple <laughs> with Anna. Yes. <laughs> and so it's getting quite hot now my lemon I have to admit and I would like to prove I do wear normal clothes (laughs) she's real (laughs) she's not actually a piece of fruit um so what's next for you and how can people follow you and and find out more and and get your book I'll put I'll put the link as well in my um in my film description but yeah how can people follow you personally yeah so on on Instagram um Sally Sally Orange um and yeah i have a facebook page as well um so the book is out um in in the next month and i do have a very very exciting world first marathon which is actually going to involve the the army cadet force um i was uh, very and mental health it's a uh, very mental health driven um it's uh, it is going to be hopefully quite a big thing and involve lots of the the cadets i was very um honored to be asked to be the national ambassador for the army cadet force um, so i very much want to inspire others to achieve and particularly youngsters and uh, world mental health day uh, october the 10th that is when it is a marathon that has never been never been attempted before um and yes is is very exciting so um hopefully we will get quite a lot of coverage from it um as well brilliant okay so it's a secret then you can't tell us any more than it's just a a completely new one yeah i can't at the moment um it has all been signed off it's definitely definitely going ahead and hopefully um covid can't even put a stop to this so um hopefully it will will definitely still still go ahead um but yeah, the cadets need to know first. We need to let, be able yeah. to let them know how they're gonna gonna get involved with that. So, um, but yeah, I'll uh, keep people posted on that. So, yeah. brilliant. Well, everybody, get following Sally on Instagram. Check out her website. Buy the book, A Fruitful Life, next month when it comes out. I'll put all these links in the film description below and in the podcast show Thank notes. You. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks very much, Sally. It's been brilliant to chat to you. Um. And and yeah. Good luck with the planning for the next event. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for your very kind comments. And uh, yeah. And have a great run tomorrow. <laughs> Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It originally aired at 6.30pm UK time on Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel and the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches and shoes, shoes, shoes and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. 
To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.